as well as Twitter. Welcome to the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamantungwa Kumala. We bring you the best in quality content when it comes to property every weekday at 7 p.m. And of course, I never go alone because now we've gone from just having this podcast, you know, every weekday at 7 p.m. to adding other quality shows that really do better your, you know, your property journey and help you along your property journey. And I'm sure a lot of the top fan gang uh, know exactly what I'm talking about. Every Wednesday at 7.45, we have SD Classroom where we have the first time home buyers show. And the new kid on the block, of course, is the farming podcast that is on Tuesday and Thursdays at 1 p.m. You also do not want to miss that one. I think I've already, you know, watched a few of the, the episodes when it comes to farming. I have a small little interest um, in, you know, stepping into agriculture. And I think that podcast certainly helps you understand what you're about to get yourself into and really broadens your horizon about what is possible if you ever considered agriculture, uh, particularly when it comes to farming and over the weekend we also don't forget about you we've got the developers show with chad that is at 1 p.m on saturday and sundays and of course we get to profile some of the best estates and complexes that the country has to offer so we always have something on offer for you right here on the private property podcast so you're never alone there's always a resource that you can tap into when you're interested in property whether you're a tenant a landlord or of course simply shopping around and you're still trying to decide what it is that you want to do or perhaps you're a seasoned investor and you've been doing this for a while and you now want tips and tricks in how to best navigate and scale your property portfolio. We certainly are your number one go-to platform for all those matters. Well, this evening we're looking at something very legal, something we're always going to encounter when we look at property. And oftentimes there's so many questions when it comes to this one, right? We're looking at the ins and outs of the property transfer process. Oftentimes people, you know, will ask questions like, I've signed the OTP, they know attorneys have gotten involved, but they don't quite know at which point can they actually still pull out of the deal? What are the repercussions? What actually goes into a property being transferred? What's the difference when you're sort of buying it cash versus when you buy it with a home loan? How do the lawyers get involved? What can, what can they not do? And of course, one of those contentious ones is when you're buying that property, we know that oftentimes it is the uh, seller who appoints a transferring attorney. And sometimes people tend to have questions along those matters. Well, if you've, had, if you've ever had any legal matters when it comes to the property transfer uh, process, then you do send your questions uh, and comments. I certainly want to hear from you whether it's always been a smooth process or you've sometimes had a few hiccups along the way. And to help us better understand what the property transfer process is like and what are some of the perhaps hurdles we might face along the way and different ways that we should be managing them. It's a lady who needs no introduction to the Private Property Podcast family. We've had it before. She's a trailblazer. And that's, of course, Unumbo Melelo, who's the founder and director of Ennis Gulu Incorporated. Good evening, Unumbo Melelo. Thank you so much for joining us. Good evening, Zana. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to have you on. I think one of the great things is, you know, legal matters. I always say I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd. I took a few law courses in undergrad. So talking legal matters always fascinates me, especially with people who, you know, went on and completed their LLB, did their articles, because then they're able to cite even more interesting, you know, cases uh, when we do examples. Whereas when you look at, you know, what you did in law school, 
uh, they're interesting, but they're not as interesting <laughs> as the ones that you would typically also um, get exposed to when you further your law studies and then obviously go on and get admitted. So I think Nobumea, the best place probably to start when we look at you know the property transfer process is perhaps take give us an overview of how the property transfer process works because oftentimes people stumble with this one you know and sometimes there's just misconceptions about at which point has ownership actually happened at which point can i pull away from a deal and people always just have uh you know question marks when it comes to these matters perhaps First, before we even look at the nitty gritty, just a nice overview of how the property owner, um, the, the property process, uh, the transfer process rather, essentially works. Sure. So what typically happens is that, you know, you will sign a sale agreement, um, also known as your offer to purchase, OTP. A lot of people um, like calling it that. Um, sometimes you will sign it privately um, where the seller and the uh, purchaser um, get together and they say, okay, you're not there, you're on the purchase price, and they agree, the purchaser will agree that he likes the property, um, agree on the purchase price, and then they'll, you know, they'll enter into a sale agreement together. Um, oftentimes, you'll find that the seller has approached um, an estate agent to mark up the property um, for him or her, um, and, um, you know, the purchaser would then approach that estate agent, um, and uh, a sale will then uh, take place where the estate agent will then prepare the sale agreement and make sure that um, um, it's signed um, in, in, in accordance with the law by both the seller as well as the purchaser. Um, it will typically have the party's names. Uh, this is just a normal sale agreement. Being both a private sale agreement or a sale agreement that you sign with the estate agent, it will typically have the party's full names, uh, the party's ID numbers, the party's uh, marital status. Um, it will typically have the, uh, the purchase price, um, as well as the description of the property that is being sold. Um, it will then also state um, how this purchase price is going to be paid. Will it be paid in cash? Um, or um, will there be a cash deposit of a certain amount, normally being 10% of the actual purchase price? Um, and then um, sometimes, and then um, of course, once that's been uh, stated, also there may be a mortgage bond, um, or if um, it's going to be um, a full mortgage bond where uh, the, the full purchase price is going to be secured by a mortgage bond, um, of course, then that would require um, a, 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 a letter of approval from the bank um, uh, stating that you know that they've approved um, the full purchase price. Um, and that will be paid upon registration or transfer of the property in favor of the, also in favor of, of, of the purchaser. Um, um, what else is there? Uh, if 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 the the purchase price is going to be uh, secured by just you know straightforward uh, uh, cash, um, sometimes there's no deposit um, that you would pay where uh, the purchaser will just pay the full purchase price. Um, into the conveyances trust account. Now, very, very, very important, Zama, um, is you do not pay any funds as the purchaser to the seller. There's no, oh, uh, okay, if the, if the purchase price is 100,000, okay, I'll give you 10,000 Rand now, and then I'll give you the 90,000 Rand, you know, on transfer. No, no, no. A lot of people have been burnt with that one. So, the amount of the purchase price that is paid um, 
with regards to um, a, a transfer of property must be paid to the conventor and the conventor will hold those funds in trust in their trust account. Um, and then once they've been paid into their trust account, they'll make sure that they get the purchaser to sign an authority to invest, okay? So that those funds are then moved into an interest-bearing account um, so that the uh, purchaser then um, gains interest um, on the on the purchase price uh, a pending a registration of transfer. Okay. Um, also, what um, what 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 my boss um, always what well, my ex boss my former boss always used to say when I was doing my training um, whilst I was still a candidate attorney um, with regards to that is um, you know buying property um, is like going into um, a, 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 a a supermarket and buying bread. You know, you take the bread and you leave the, the money right there and then. You don't take the bread now and say, oh, okay, um, guys, I'll come back next week and give you your 15 rand later or, you know, uh, uh, pay a deposit of like seven bucks today and say, oh, okay, I'll come back tomorrow with the rest. When you take the bread, you take the money. So it's an exchange between the parties. And that's exactly how, you know, I'll say the transfer uh, a process works when it comes to the purchase price and the property. On the same date when the purchaser um, takes transfer of the property, the seller gets their money, being the full purchase price. Okay, um, so um, yeah, so that's that aside. What else is in that sale agreement? The parties will have signed. Um, sometimes um, there will be uh, witnesses also involved there. Um, typically two witnesses and that would, that would sign um, sometimes not sometimes the parties will, will sign that, that agreement um, before a convencer or before the estate agent and the estate agent will then uh, uh, um, also sign and confirm the, the, the actual commission very very important summer that commission that is payable to the to the to the estate agent must be stated so that it is clear to the seller how much money is going to be deducted from the purchase price um, and pay this the, the, the estate agent's commission. Okay. If they say 4.5% of the purchase price inclusive of that, make sure that they've stated there. What does that mean? You know, for some, for some people, they, they, don't, they don't actually understand what 4.5% inclusive of that is, you know, or 4.5% exclusive. They don't know. So... A very important. Ask that essay. Okay, you say four point five percent here of the purchase price inclusive of it. How much is that? Let me see it. Uh, let's see. Um, so that and also um, uh, you know, as a convencer, when the when the file when the when the when the transfer instruction comes to me as the convencer, I need to confirm that with the estate agent as well. They kindly confirm your 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 commission. Um, you know, write it down so that I can give you an undertaking that once the property has been transferred, um, because I will be holding that purchase price, it will be in my trust account, and I have to pay you as the estate agent before I pay it to the seller, you know, I need to make sure that I know exactly how much mm -hmm. to pay you. So that's very important. Right, so that's the sale agreement concluded. Um, no, and it's not only the sale agreement that the parties can enter into, sometimes parties wish, wish to donate um, properties to each other. A very important uh, question that I typically typically get um, 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 from from people 
um, being clients or sometimes people who are just um, calling to, to inquire about what to do. Um, some people want to donate properties, some people want to sell and they, you know, they want to know what, you know, what the best route to go is. All I can say on that one is there are transfer, there are tax implications and, and, and sales. So be very mindful of those. Okay? Mm. You don't want to, um, uh, you know, it, it conclude a sale agreement or a, a, a deed of donation uh, without knowing what uh, tax implications um, each one uh, will have. And particularly because SARS will, 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 will demand its tax, its tax um, based on the fair market value of, the, of that property. So you always know the tax implications before you, you conclude any sale or deed of donation because trust SARS is going to come for their tax. Look, I think if, if one thing is clear, SARS always gets their way. Um, I think with many of us know whether they get it in this financial year, the next financial year, or in seven years time, they just always find a way to get their money. So I think you can, there are many people you can avoid SARS, unfortunately, is not one of them. If anything, perhaps mm -hmm. explore legal ways of structuring your estate in such a way that you pay as little tax as possible. There are legal avenues to explore, but don't go, uh, you know, don't try and, and evade tax because there's yeah. always quite a high price to, to pay for that one. You know, no, but I, mean, I actually want us to look a little bit at some of the mistakes that you see with that uh, sale agreement. Because I think one of the big things that we sometimes happen is not every offer to purchase, um, I'll say, meets a, a good test of a good offer to purchase. Sometimes people thought, ah, but I signed and I, I thought that, uh, you know, mm -hmm. everything was included or they perhaps didn't read um, everything. You, I mean, you were saying some of the particulars, for example, that would typically be um, in your offer to purchase. Sometimes you'll find that people are signing an offer to purchase that doesn't have a clear F number and, you know, address. And you're thinking, but where is this place? You can't just have a random street name and that's it. Perhaps just take us through some, some key mistakes that some people do sometimes uh, tend to find in their, in, their, in their sale agreement that we should be looking out for because you also don't want to have that get stalled because oftentimes, you know, by the time you probably, you know, share it, let's say with the bond originator or even the bank, they'll then go back to you and say, no, we don't, it's, it doesn't have detail X, Y, Z, um, you know, please make sure that it's properly filled in before they can obviously, uh, you know, continue with the transaction. But what are some of those things so that we're able to just spot them from the get-go instead of kind of having issues with it and essentially just stalling our, um, you know, the purchase process even further? Of course, lovely. I love your question. Brilliant, you know, um, because a lot of people get caught up with this one. And you know, Zama, what I always say, it will not hurt you to just call me, uh, you know, call a convenza, anyone that you know, uh, and just that's, that, that's, that, that does convincing. I promise you, I will not charge you for you asking me to just, can you just vet my, 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 my sale agreement? You know, um, I've, 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 I've entered into a sale agreement here and I really appreciate you, you know, or oh, this is my draft sale agreement. Can you please just, you know, quickly look at it um, and see if, you know, it's it's okay for us to sign. You know, and um, some people will charge you maybe like three hundred rand, five hundred rand, just to vet it for you. But that won't hurt you. 
because I mean, looking at it like at the end of the day, the financial implications of you entering into a sale agreement um, of a huge amount of money um, as compared to a 500 rand charge just to get an agreement uh, for you, you know, uh, will just, you know, just, uh, just, just, it doesn't make sense. So that's the first thing. And, and, the, and then the second thing, Zama, is, is the person who's even selling this property to you, the owner of this property. Yes. Yeah. Yo. Yeah. Because I mean, I've, I've heard so many horror stories when it comes to that one, right? And and to the Me point too. where I think that the level of fraud is so sophisticated that mm. either they are producing documents that say that it's their property, uh, you know, the banks perhaps don't do a thorough check and they take it that the documents that have been sent to them are authentic and monies get transferred only for the rightful owners to suddenly emerge. Um, mm -hmm. And then you find that actually you are, you have a bond essentially now that you have to pay for a property that essentially isn't yours because you're now fighting the, the alleged, uh, you know, rightful owners and you're thinking, but yeah. I, I have a bond. I think never mind people who buy cash. Uh, so they don't need to deal with the banks. Uh, you know, your money is gone. But I mean, I'm now looking at people who are going to be servicing this, um, this facility for the next 240 months. Chances are, you know, only 10 months in, you'll realize that this wasn't actually Yeah. And I think that's, that's certainly one of the, the, you know, issues that we've certainly seen. Uh, I want to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll go through more of those mistakes and how we can avoid them. Because I think one of the big things, especially for first-time new home buyers um, and even property investors, and, you know, property investors who are looking to invest, let's say, in townships, this is also where we're seeing it a lot. I mean, I've been dealing with a few of those cases where you're struggling to trace the rightful owners of a property that you're interested in buying. It is in a township. People say it's our property, but you're not quite certain if that actually is the case. So how do you then go about authenticating, um, you know, the owners so that you are not giving money to the wrong people and essentially end up finding yourself in very long legal battles. We're going to go for a quick break. We're going to come back. I want to hear about your uh, property transfer process, whether it was the first time you bought your property or perhaps it was the second, third time that you went through the property buying process. How was it? Was it a smooth and seamless process? Were you scared? And I remember the first time I did it, it was two properties simultaneously, many different emails, many different lawyers, slightly confused, a little bit overwhelmed. Lots of um, costs. A lot of, it's a lot of costs. <laughs> but I'll share a little bit of that experience just after this break.
okay. Yeah. Well, I'm happy it's even coming. It's even better. It's actually even better. Yeah. All my windows are open. Oh, is it mosquitoes? Back to episode 134 of the private property podcast well you know what girls talk about uh, when we're off on a break whether it's bugs or certainly talking about the awesome time that we're having while we are on air that's certainly what uh and i talk about off air even before we actually went live uh we were hanging on about property and just the amount of work that is currently you know happening within the property space i'm glad that you got a little bit of a nice snapshot of what we talk about when we take that quick break. Well, of course, I am speaking to Nobumelelotolu, who is the founder and the director at NS Ntolu Incorporated. We'll talk about the ins and outs of the property transfer uh, process. I certainly want to hear from you at home around your own property transfer uh, story. I was saying earlier that, you know, the first time I bought property, it was quite overwhelming. Um, because I went and I, you know, bought two simultaneously. I thought, you know what, I'm 26, I want to buy myself a 27th birthday present and went and shopped for two properties. And so just having to deal with multiple lawyers and all kinds of communication, being asked for all sorts of supporting documents, um, you know, additional documents, having to wait, wait for the seller, you know, one of the sellers, that if I remember the first two, which ones were the, okay, I think this one, the other one, um, one of the, the, the properties, um, they hadn't paid their rates uh, in quite a while. So getting the rates clearance took sort of longer than anticipated. It was round about this time of year going into the festive season. I, I probably identified it round about this time of year. So we started probably round about October-ish. Um, but then the transfer hadn't happened come festive season. So my December is usually about trying to see if that transfer is going to go through, you know, before the deeds office closes in December, and then the deeds office closed, you know, in December before the transfer, the matter came up, and then was only launched into the new year. And, and so really trying to sort of piece together what the process was, getting the, the you know, the statement, I'll say every, every week at the end of the week from the conveyancer say, this is where we are in this matter, this is, you know, uh, the update on the matter really does open your eyes up to how the uh, property transfer process essentially works like. And some of the things that you should be looking out for, I think I'm very grateful that 
as that was happening, as overwhelmed as I was, I was able to ask my conveyancer questions. And I think if you get somebody like a Numpumelelo, the conveyances that I had, they were quite helpful in just explaining, okay, this is essentially what's happening in the you know, property process. Um, and this is what you should be looking out for in the transfer process. This is you know, typically how long this stage would take. Um, so do be patient. And I think a lot of us who are doing it for the first time, you're sometimes feeling like, oh my God, this is so much. Uh, but I certainly want to hear from you what your process has been uh, along the journey. And I see we've already got some questions here from our um, YouTube viewers at home. And we've got one from um, Chris Kayosha who asks, who asks, what's the difference between an offer to purchase and a deed of sale? Well, it's the, it's the same thing. Same thing. It's an offer to purchase, it's a deed of sale, it's a sale agreement, it's an OTP, same thing. They essentially mean the same thing, contain the same thing, and that's it. Perfect. And uh, Chris, Chris Carello again saying, uh, often the base document I am given is an OTP and when signed, that it is. And in other instances, I am getting a deed of sale. So essentially, Chris, that answers your question. It's effectively the same thing. Sometimes the right sale agreement, sometimes the right offer to purchase. Uh, sometimes it really does depend on the, uh, you know, the agency that the seller is essentially working with and the wording that they're using at the top. But the general details, like Nobumelena had said, uh, in, that are in the actual document themselves, that's what's important because that's what the, you know, the conveyances are going to be looking at. That's certainly what your bank is going to be looking at before they you know, say, yes, we're going to you know, grant you uh, that home loan facility. Uh, so we're looking at some of the perhaps mistakes um, that we should be looking out for when we are now dealing with this offer to purchase because there are so many mistakes that we do find that often can sometimes cost us quite a bit of time, um, sometimes even money, because there are certain yeah. things that have to do with money that are in that offer to purchase that so many of us probably aren't aware of. Okay, so before we actually go into the actual transfer process, okay, let's just deal with um, your queries, Anna, um, that you raised before, before, before we took a break about, you know, uh, what do you do to make sure that um, you know, you've protected yourself and you know that the seller is the actual owner of the property, um, contact your convincer and ask them to do a deed search for you. Alternatively, if you don't want to uh, uh, contact the convincer, go to the deeds office and say, kindly do a deed search for me um, on this property. You will ask the seller for their title deed or a copy of the title deed, ask them for it. Um, they will give it to you. Um, of course, they won't give you the original if they if they if they if they've paid off their bond or if they bought the property cash, but they can give you a copy and and tell them that no, I just want to do my research. Take that to the deeds uh, um, office and they'll do a deed search for you, or email me um, as the convincer. You know, I've got access um, uh, to to the deeds um, office uh, uh, searches, and I will do a deeds office search for you, confirming. Um, who the owner of the property is, and if the property that you are buying um, is, is, is the one that you think that you are buying. Also, available to the public, the municipalities do valuations, um, I think every three or four years, um, so that you know that, okay, is what I'm buying actually worth what I am buying for? Um, that's free, that's for free. Go into, go into your Google, um, everybody has, you know, a phone with Google now, um, it's a municipality valuations, 
you'll pop in your, uh, and you'll put in your property description and they'll get, they'll literally give you the owner of the property and it will tell you the actual street address, which is probably what you would maybe be more a bit familiar with and it'll also let you know what the actual value of the property is. Um, same, same with the city of Joburg, same with the um, you know, city of Tane, same with the Msunuzi municipality. I'm just giving you examples of municipalities that I, I deal with you know, normally on a daily basis. So, you know, it's, it's, it's public knowledge, um, you know, and all you need to do is just, um, you know, uh, take, take, take whatever information that you have, put it together and do those searches. And it will save you time, you know, before you even sign that title agreement, it will save you a whole lot of time, a whole lot of money, a whole lot of headache and a whole lot of stress. And if it doesn't look right, um, what do they say? If it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it is a duck. And if it, you know, if, if it does not look right, um, and the seller is not the actual seller, um, or maybe you also have have the, the you know the tackle deed, and you're looking at the conditions and you're thinking, hmm, okay, what is this? I don't understand this. And you bounce it off a conveyance, such as myself, and I say to you, hmm, be careful. There's a restricted condition here. Um, you know, sometimes what I've seen a lot is um, people selling their RDP houses. Um, so they would have gotten an RDP house from the government um, and also gotten their title deeds. But there's a condition on the title deed that says that the, uh, 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 the owner of the property can't transfer that property um, within a period of eight years of, you know, a, 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 a taking transfer. And now person, the owner now wants money and it's only been, what, five years maybe of them getting, getting this title deed and this property. And here they are trying to get money from you to sell something that they, they can't sell to you, um, with, you know, uh, within that that certain period of time, okay. And if you if if you knew all of this, you wouldn't have entered into any kind of sale agreement. You wouldn't have paid anybody anything. You wouldn't have been uh, pressurized because that's how it normally works. You know, no pay. Give me like a ten thousand. We'll sort it out later. You know the balance later. And before you know it, you pay that person money for a property that doesn't belong to them, for a property that they can't even that can't even be transferred mm. to you, or, or or it's a property that belonged to their father, um, who is now deceased. The estate has not been wound up. Um, you know this person has siblings. They probably don't want to sell this property. You know before you enter into any agreement before you sign anything, bounce it off a condenser, they'll check everything for you, make sure that your checks are done, and then and then and then enter into that agreement. So that's that. Mm. And, and you know, I think one of the things that's certainly clear is that I'm going to we're going to have you back again because when it comes to legal matters in the transfer uh, process, so many of them tend to come up. I mean, I think one of the, the things I certainly want to explore in a different episode is around some of the restrictive conditions that a title deed would typically have. Because I think when we now enter, we'll say the township, uh, you know, property space where uh, so many properties are, of course, available. We know that the township property space is a multi-billion rand, you know, sort of industry and the different ways to tap into it. Um, and various property entrepreneurs also want to be able to access that market. But when you don't understand, uh, you know, some of those restrictions on title deeds, what the types of restrictions even are. So the different kinds of restrictions one would typically get um, and why it's important to be able to a, know about them, or if you don't know about them, then certainly be able to, you know, dial your conveyancer and get a sense of, 
you know, what does it mean when a title deed has these kinds of restrictions uh, certainly is something that we need to always understand. But before I let you go, what's the one thing that you certainly want people at home, especially those who uh, are either, you know, looking at their first property or perhaps have already done their first property before are, you know, looking at their investment property. What's the one really crucial thing that we always need to bear in mind when it comes to uh, the property transfer process and something we want to always uh, have our, um, have a good grip on uh, so that we have a really good experience during the transfer process. Okay. Um, before the ad break, something that is very important came up. You told me that when you bought your first property, um, oh, boom, transfer costs, bond costs. Um, the seller also, so that's for you as the purchaser. The seller is also thinking, oh, okay, well, they told me that I'm not supposed to pay any, any costs, only to find, oh, yeah, Mr. Seller, you have to pay for uh, the, 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 the estate agent's commission. And also, if you have a bond, and let's say sometimes you don't have one bond, you've got two bonds. Sometimes you've got three bonds over, on the, over that property. All those bonds need to be cancelled. And they are yours, Mr. Seller. So you are the one who's going to have to pay for those um, bond cancellation costs. Okay. Um, a lot of people don't don't look at at their at their mortgage bond uh, loan agreements, so they don't see that fine print and um, that says that when you want to cancel um, uh, your bond and you settle the amount, you're going to be liable for the bond uh, cancellation costs. Hey, and then it comes up uh, now that you're wanting to, to to transfer the property. Oh my goodness, I've got a bond cancellation cost that I need to pay. Those will typically, you know, come off uh, the purchase price. Uh, once the transfer has been registered, um, the transferring attorney and the bond cancellation attorney will guarantee confirming that they'll cover their costs. But that's for you to know. Also, um, there are compliance certificates that need to be paid, uh, that need to be uh, 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 paid for. Um, those compliance certificates are issued by the seller, typically the electrical compliance certificate. Um, the electrical fence certificate confirming that all the electrical installations on the property are in order. Those have to be paid for by, by the seller. Okay. Also, if you're around the coastal areas like Kosovo, Natal, and Cape Town, you'll typically be required to um, get a, a wood borer or pest control certificate. Um, that you will also have to pay for as, as, a, as a seller. If you have a gas installation on the property, you also need to get a gas compliance certificate confirming that you know those gas installations are in order. Um, so that's you know it, it's not only the purchaser who has transfer costs and bond costs to pay, but the seller also needs to be aware of everything that they also need to pay for. Also, there's rate clearance um, certificates mm -hmm. and levy clearance to be paid for. Sometimes there's a restrictive condition that we just spoke about, Zana, where um, if you're buying in, in a scheme, um, like uh, in maybe in a flat, in a fictional title scheme, um, or if you're buying in, a, in an estate, you know, the new thing now is buying in a, in, in a typical gated estate, there'll be a, a, a restrictive condition made saying that if you want to be a part of, um, you know, uh, uh, this, this, if you want to buy a property, um, in this uh, uh, a gated estate or in the sectional title scheme, you need uh, to, to, to have paid the homeowners association a certain um, admin fee, you know, and um, those depend on, you know, how long or how harsh the, that gated estate 
um, mm. is. They can range between anything from like 2,500 to Sure, 4,500 rand, and that's money that you need to pay upfront. That's all paid before um, you know, the, the transfer actually takes place because you're going to need a consent from that homeowners association confirming that you know they they are happy with the transfer taking place and that will be lodged at the deeds office. So, you know, a lot of, 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 of costs are involved. And yeah, that's the one thing that I'd like, you know, the viewers to be well aware of that um know the costs. Um, that you are going to, to, to have to pay. The last thing you want is to be, you know, uh, right in the middle of a sale, uh, not aware that you've got a 20,000 rand bill that needs to be paid before depression. Where are you going to get that from? Um, what, are you going to go get a loan? That might affect your, your mortgage bond approval that you've gotten from the bank. That's the last thing that you want. Who's going to borrow you 20,000 rand? And how are you going to pay it? You know, because after you've taken transfer of this property, you're going to maybe have to renovate the property. You know, there's just so many costs involved um, before the transfer actually takes place. And there are also a lot of costs involved even after the transfer takes place. I mean, the cost of moving, for instance, can be exorbitant, you know. Forget the renovation. The cost of moving all in itself is just it's a lot. So make sure that you know what you're getting yourself into because it will involve a lot of costs. Okay, so and also just be mindful that banks will could also um, offer you um, a mortgage bond uh, a package where they would include your your certain costs. Um, like maybe they'll pay for a certain portion of your transfer costs, or they'll pay the full the full transfer costs, or they'll pay or they'll cover your the full amount of the bond costs. Um, so yeah, you know, just inquire with the with the bank if you're finding that you know what um you know. Cash is a bit, you know, tight. I also know that if you're a government employee, the Department of Human Settlements um, also gives uh, a, a funding uh, to, to, to its employees. Um, look at that, contact the Department of Human Settlements, ask them how much, you know, and um, they would be willing to fund you or give to you, um, you know, just to aid you um, in, in paying for, 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 for costs or any other um, expenses that you might incur um, as a result of, buying um, or, or selling a property. Mm. Well, we are going to leave it. I think one of the big things with that is just understanding that when it comes to the property transfer um, process, it isn't only the buyer that's going to be footing the bill or has to uh, essentially budget for certain costs, but the seller as well needs to make sure that they've adequately you know, budgeted for selling their property. Because oftentimes we think, you know, the seller doesn't really pay anything out of pocket, but they essentially are costs that you're going to be uh, footing along the process. So you also need to make sure that you are ready and that the funds are available because those themselves can also, of course, stall the sale of that particular property. So do make sure that you also have your ducks in a row as the seller. Well, we're going to leave it there this evening. Nambumanelo, thank you so much for coming back to the Private Property Podcast and joining us this evening. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Zama. It's always, always lovely being on this platform. Love it, love it, love it, and continue doing great work. Thank you so much. And that is, of course, Nobumile Lokulu, who is the founder and director of Enestulu Incorporated. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have her back. We're certainly going to be bringing her uh, back some more here on the Private Property Podcast, uh, understanding legal matters when it comes to our home ownership journey, whether you're you know, a tenant, whether you're a landlord, whether you're looking at 
buying that first property, certainly adding more properties into your property portfolio becomes such a crucial uh, thing that you have the right legal team and you really have people that you can always reach out to uh, in terms of you know getting their legal services. We have shared her contact details down here below. So if you ever need to reach out to uh, NS Tool Incorporated, then do reach out to them for your conveyancing needs. Well, that's it for me, Zamantungo Kumalo and the private property, uh, the private property podcast team. It has certainly been a great week uh, with you this evening. Thank you, of course, for tuning in, for giving us your time, whether you're watching us from Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. We always do enjoy having you with us and sharing your property journey with us. Then one of the big things is we're in your homes every evening uh, at seven o'clock, or of course, the other different times where we have other shows. And we really do enjoy walking this journey with you and adding as much value as possible in helping you learn more about property so that you make better informed decisions. Well, it's a wrap from us here on Friday. I know it's, uh, what is it? I think it's International Champagne Day. Uh, so if you are going to be popping that, uh, you know, bubbles, uh, then do enjoy it. Of course, do so safely. I'm back on your screens on Monday evening at seven o'clock. But of course, over the weekend, do tune into the developer's show with Chad. And as usual, hoping you're going to have a safe weekend. And of course, staying home and staying safe um, during this long weekend. Well, not a long weekend, really, but certainly during this long weekend. And I'll be back on your screens on Monday evening. Clifton Smithers. I live in Belito, where my partners and I run a business called Union 3. As a family, we chose to move here about six years ago. What attracted us to the area was the safe and relaxed lifestyle of the North Coast. We're surrounded by so much natural beauty, and we love that it's so casual. It's just not as intense as a busy city. In fact, that's one of the main reasons there's so many people moving into the area. There's some amazing lifestyle estates out here. 
We've got some barley, Brettonwood Estate, and Zimbiti, to name a few. The Belito Lifestyle Centre caters to everyone's needs. There's also some smaller commercial centres like Tiffany's in Salt Rock. There's some excellent restaurants to choose from, and there's a really wide variety of activities on offer. From mountain biking out on the trails to surfing at any one of the beaches, there really is something for everyone. This quiet little town really comes alive over the weekend. The live concerts in the farmer's market at the Leachie Orchard is very popular. With the new international airport just 15 minutes down the road and the unmatched lifestyle that this place offers, it's no wonder that the North Coast is the fastest growing town in South Africa. My family and I absolutely love each other and this is our name.